5, he says, um, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal significance. We have selected verses in this message as we continue a message on the church entitled this one, Why We Are Different. And For our reading, though, I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 24 to the end of the chapter, 24 through 27. And ask when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor as I read aloud the text. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth and your word. We thank you for your people that you have called personally and that you walk with and that you bring together. And I pray as we continue what's left of this time corporately, that your spirit might be clearly at work, Father. Um, because if we ever needed you, it is now, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. In his book, Why Church Matters, an author tells a true story of a guy named Robert who lived lives in Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, Robert describes himself as a guy that loves his family, Loves people and loves to laugh. He goes to an evangelical church most every week. He's a faithful attender. But his real passion is in Jeeps. He searched for over two years to find just the perfect black and gold Wrangler Jeep. And then, of course, after he got his Jeep, he went online and joined the Jeep Club, which had over 1,500 members. And he began learning everything about trails, about other people who owned these wonderful Jeeps. And he began to learn the finer points of four-wheeling as he became a part of that online community and became a great disciple of Jeeps. And then Robert went to a church conference and he became under great conviction. When he received this challenge from the speaker. He said, if the church is central to God's purpose as seen through history and the gospel. How can we take so lightly what God takes so seriously? And he thought, God, my passion and my heart has been so much in a jeep. But not in you. It doesn't matter what the leisure activity is. What matters is, where's our passion? Is our passion for our Lord? Or is it placed somewhere else? That in itself is the significant question. 
that we must ask. And, and I want to look at three areas that, that sets us apart as different, as the church, as God's people. And, and, and this morning, the first one is simply to know God, to have a relationship with God. And I, of course, I thought of Philippians 3.10, where the Apostle Paul shared his heart. And he said, I want to know Christ. You see, that says that there is the opportunity for a real relationship. It's not just a one-time event, but it is an ongoing relationship with the living God, with Jesus. He said, I want to know Christ. And then he goes on, the next part of the verse, he says, and the power of his resurrection. In other words, I don't want a powerless life. I don't want this just to be an empty religion. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the next part of the verse says, and the fellowship of of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. In other words, it is through the pain and the difficulties that are part of life that we share something special with Jesus. And we get to intimately know him, becoming like him in his death. I remember one speaker uh, saying that the only difference between a little nut and a mighty oak tree is about 50 years. But it's often 50 years of strong winds, rain downpours, scorching heat or icy days that create that mighty oak as it continues to grow as it's planted in the proper place. And we as the people of God, as we long to know Jesus planted and rooted firmly within Him, have opportunity to grow. In the passage that we opened with, 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Paul is making reference to the games in Corinth. There, of course, this time we're thinking about the Olympics. There were two main categories of games. There were the Olympic games, and there were also the Ithmian games. And probably the reference here is to the Ithmian games. But as he speaks of those games, he starts out talking about a race. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, to run in such a way as to get the prize. And then he makes the point that they go into strict training. And the Corinthians knew in that day that that meant 10 months out of the year they were in strict physical athletic training. And their goal, their passion was to win that race. And the winner of that race received a special wreath. And he was decorated and awarded the fastest runner. Then he goes on the next part of the passage. And it is a reference to the boxer. He says, um, talking about fighting. He says, I do not fight like a man that's beating the air. And the picture there is of the boxer who is in great shape. And has learned what is necessary in order to be a championship fighter. And it requires disciplining the body. You see our goal. It, it's called a spiritual discipline. It's not called spiritual recreation. It, it's not referred to as just spiritual leisure. But it's a discipline. Why? Because it's something that we're called to do day after day. As we build our spiritual strength. As our goal. As our heart is to become strong in the Lord, as we follow Him, it requires that discipline and that training that is so necessary. A second truth we'll look at here to practice sexual purity. The call to practice sexual purity. In 1820, Washington Irving, who was a lawyer of his day, wrote a short story, a 
that became well known. And my guess is even you're familiar with it. Uh, The story talks about a man who went out in the woods with his favorite dog and his favorite gun. And he met some other men who offered him something to drink. And next thing he knows, he wakes up 20 years later. (laughs) And everything has drastically changed. Of course, his old rifle is really old now and it's rusty. And his dog's nowhere to be found. And when he fell asleep, King George was the one everybody paid tribute. When he woke up, people were asking him what party he belonged to. (laughs) Are you a Democrat or a Federalist? And they were speaking of voting and and another country of belonging to some place called the United States of America. And Rip Van Winkle, he fell asleep in one world and he woke up in a totally different place. Totally different place. And, and, and here's, I want to read to you actually from the book. As he shared, he said, I'm not myself. I was myself last night, but I fell asleep on the mountain. And now everything has changed. And you know, as I thought about that short story, and I thought about where we are now, it's a different place than where it was 20 years ago. Our land is a different place. We are called to be sexually pure, but we live in a land, it's different. Just in 20 years, just in what seems such a short time, things have changed so drastically. And and I don't want to even go into specifics of sexual impurity or what it looks like. It's different. What I do want to look at is what God has to say sexual purity is. It's interesting as you look in the scriptures. It says, for a man will leave his father and mother and become united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. It's a picture of intimacy that comes between a man and a woman that's known as marriage. And yet, in so many levels, that standard God has set for sexual purity is not the standard in our own culture and in our own land. And things have drastically changed. Time magazine, in one of their cover photos a few years ago, asked this question, is monogamy over? And then it goes on the article and says, monogamy is unnatural, but we should keep it. For our kids' sake. You see, it's it's a picture in our land of what are the standards? What are the boundaries of sexual purity? Of relationships that God wants us to have? What the family is? and, and That's the picture that... And as we look at our laws, our laws are constantly changing. Of course, there's a lot of energy according to the recent change of the laws of, you know, is... A marriage between a man and a woman or a man and a man, a woman and a woman. But think of the laws we have now and how when you change the standard, how they also become changeable. For example, um, now the law set up where you only where you're not allowed to marry someone in your immediate family. You can't marry a brother or a sister. And I think, oh, that would never happen. Twenty years ago, I never thought the laws we see now wouldn't happen. Or we could say another law that we take for granted is that in order to get married, you have to marry someone who is an adult. 
there is an age limit where it's not acceptable. But is that unchangeable? Or for now, there is a law saying that marriage is strictly between two people. But there are some cultures and those who believe that marriage can be shared with a number of people, not just two people. So once that standard is changed, where does it end? What will the laws become? You see, when it has a meaning that shifts and changes, it ultimately has no definite meaning. And that is the culture that we now live in. It's, it's like I've gone to sleep and I've woken up in a different world as, as I look at our land. Just a couple of verses I just want to read and go through the sake of time. Romans 13, 13 and 14 as we are given this command and this call. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See the contrast there? Clothe yourselves with Jesus and not be constantly thinking about, man, how can I tickle the flesh? (laughs) How can I find what's going to entertain my flesh? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 18, we're told, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Matter of fact, sexual temptation is the one temptation. It says, Run! It is a strong temptation that we don't need to debate. And we don't need to ask, what does God think about? He just says, run! Get out of there. Matter of fact, he goes on, verse 19 and 20, ends the chapter. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body, it's God's sanctuary. He lives in you. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your body is a temple dedicated to God. And, and we're called to, to treat that seriously. It's a slave terminology. Being set free. Being delivered from slavery as Christ has bought us back. And we're to be set apart for Him. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. As God gives us His command. These thin pages, it takes me a while to get to them. Verse 3 and 4, he says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. God has a standard. And we're not to use people. That's not the standard. It's not all about my personal pleasure. 
relationships are designed to be so much more than that. And one more you sure don't hear quoted much these days is Hebrews 13.4. What a powerful warning. Hebrews 13.4 reads, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. My whole point of this is not to beat down those who find themselves in a place of divorce or find themselves in an immoral situation. My whole point is, take God seriously. Don't wait. Turn to Him now. <laughs> Do what you can, what is possible, in order to turn His direction. That's, that's the point of this. Right, one last uh, truth here as we move on. Uh, to adhere to the sacraments that are in the Scripture. Those sacred practices. There's two of them that we're called to. I just briefly mentioned those. Uh, turn with me to Mark 16, 16 as I look at the first one. The first one we'll look at is... Baptism. There are some churches that talk about baptism is necessary to be saved. Um, That is not the teaching from the scriptures that we believe and our conviction is as Baptists. Uh, But uh, Mark 16, 16, it says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be saved condemned. Notice baptism is a natural, necessary part, but it's the one who does not believe who will be condemned, who will miss God's forgiveness, not the one who believes and is baptized. But why does he mention believes and is baptized in the first section of that? It's because to be baptized is to identify with. The picture of being baptized, it means I belong to Jesus. It means I want other people to see Jesus in me. You see, the purpose of baptism, it is a testimony that is a picture testimony instead of a word testimony that I have died to myself and in that, under the water, buried to my sins and raised to new life so that I want other people to see me and see Jesus. That is the testimony that is shared and that's what the sacrament is all about. In in some... uh, denominations and churches of the faith is the idea of being baptized as an infant to be part of a community and then at a later time they make a decision in order to stand upon that belief but in the scripture the word baptizo in the new testament literally means to be immersed to be pushed all the way under the water and it is a picture of one who has made a personal decision and understands i want to identify with jesus I want Jesus to mark my life. I want Him to be in control of my life. He is my Savior. He's the one who forgives me. And I want other people to know that. Not just with what I say with my lips, but how I live. I want that to come out of my life. And that's what baptism is all about. And it's the first command to be obeyed when we're serious about our walk with Jesus. Because we are saying publicly, my hope's in Jesus. All right, uh, Last one here is communion. The promise of communion. Baptism's that living testimony that symbolizes 
our, you know, our death, our burial from our sin and then being raised to life. But in communion, it's a repeated act of examination and rededication. It's a chance every time we come together as we take of the drink, as we take of the bread, we remember who died for us. We remember the price that was paid for what makes us different is Christ in us. Whereas baptism is that we want other people to see Jesus in us. Communion is we want to experience Christ in us. That He is our life and that He is our hope. Close with this illustration. A man in clothes that were rather ragged was at a metro station in Washington, D.C. He opened a violin case, pulled out his violin, and he put the case down so people might want to throw in a few bucks, and he began to play his violin. It was estimated several thousand people came by in the next 45 minutes that he played But nobody stopped. One middle-aged man came by and he kind of looked at him and just kept walking. Another guy, he kind of came like he was going to lean against a wall, but then he continued on. The closest anyone came to stopping was a little boy who came up and looked at the violinist, but his mother grabbed him by the hand and marched him off. But here's the irony of the 45 minutes the musician played. Only six people even slowed down, even though they didn't come to a complete stop. Twenty people tossed money into the violin case. And they did not recognize the violinist, Joshua Bell, who played a violin worth nearly $4 million. Two days before, he had played out in an auditorium in Boston, Massachusetts at $100 a seat. People came to hear him play. And yet, no one noticed the beautiful music. They were too busy to slow down. Church, continue to live for Christ. You may feel discouraged. You may feel nobody hears the music of the Master. No one's noticing me. They just keep going by. Keep playing. Keep living. Keep trusting Christ as the pattern of your life. We're called to be different. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your call for us to be set apart. It's, it's not so that we can be exalted and, and lifted up. It, it's not to bring attention to us personally. It's so that others will see Jesus. Because you are the hope, Lord. And Father, you have chosen to do that through the church. Not just the church one at a time, but the church together. Thank you for this particular fellowship of believers, this church. Father, draw us to you, Lord. 
Open our hearts to you. That people may see you in us, Father. A life that's been baptized and, and identified with you. And Father, that we may stop and remember you. As we long for you to be within us. As we celebrate communion. But Father, I just pray you move among us, Lord. We talk about spiritual renewal. and Father, the truth of the matter is, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's uh, God, you're the only one that can do that. But Open our hearts. Father, turn us your direction. Help us see you clearly, Father, so that you might work as you long to work, Father. And this time we call response invitation. Father, we have an altar that's open. Father, bring those you want here to pray. Um, Father, you always want to hear from us, Lord. As you touch us and speak to us, may we say yes, whatever that is. And Father, maybe for some it's to come forward with some decision you have placed upon the heart. Father, I, I just ask that we would obey whatever that is, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.